But just before we start, I want to bring a word to you about Jonah because we're in a state of change. November, December is always when we're starting to think, oh, yay, next year, or oh, no, next year. But, you know, for God to move us on to the next thing, there has to be changes that have to take place in our lives, amen. And I think one of the biggest changes that we have to make is embracing what God wants us to do first. And so we come to this place and, you know, James and I, since we've been in the ministry together, this is even before we were married. Uh, this is just after we've married, I was saying. We moved, <laughs> we moved houses 23 times and we lived in four different cities and pastored five churches. Yeah. And so change has had to be our friend. It has had to be our friend because every time it's not just, oh, shall we go pastor a church in Auckland? It's God like we were happy. We were in Tauranga. We were having a great time. We were in Martin to begin with and my mother-in-law was there. When a mother-in-law's around, it's like Christmas. Chris, that's what Christine was saying. She, they're always there to help. And so we were happy there and then God said, excuse me, uh, it's time to move. And we just bought our new house. And I'm thinking... What? I just got a house and you want me to shift? So we did. We went up to Tauranga because who knows saying no to God, it doesn't actually work. Yeah, yeah, we've all done it. And then we went to Tauranga and we had our children and we raised them there. And who knows that Tauranga, the mount and all those places are a great place to raise your kids. And we were happy. We had... Uh, family, friends, we had families in the churches, we had a hundred kids in our church, so we had great times with our families. And then just when I thought we were it, living the dream, God says, um, excuse me, it's time to move. And I'm thinking, do you know, God, you're getting tedious now. <laughs> but every time we've had to move, um, we've had to move, we've had to make changes to accommodate what God has called us to next. And this is something that I'd like to talk about today. Because sometimes we say, God came into my world, but he didn't. We went into his world. And our world is limited. His world is unlimited. Our world is finite. His world is infinite. Our world has, has impossible situations. And with God, everything is... That's right. Everything is possible. And there's that, that old saying, you know, he equips us if he wants us to go somewhere. And it's true. But it's not always easy. Amen? It's not always easy. First of all, the call comes and you think, I can't do that. This is me and Martin. I can't move up to that big city. This is me and Tauranga. I can't move up to that bigger city. I can't do it. I don't want to. I don't like it. Lord, I don't like it. And uh, I don't know. All of that stuff and God says you're still going whether you like it or not sounds just like my dad. So this morning I want to talk about a guy called Jonah. Jonah was a guy. You know, every time I've heard, this, heard people mention Jonah, all I think about is the whale. And it wasn't even a whale. And him being stuck in the stomach of that whale. And, you know, I used to think to myself... People going, ooh, stuck in the stomach of a fish. And I'm thinking, yum. <laughs> oh, fish. <laughs> yeah, James reckons I'm strange too. But 
you know, and that's all I thought was that Noah was naughty, he got stuck in a well, that was his punishment, but the story doesn't actually go like that, not at all. It is actually a lesson in change, changing up to the next level in your call. So let's just pray. I want to pray this morning and ask God to have his way. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that you put people in the Bible so that we can have examples to go to. And my prayer this morning, Father God, is that we would, as we prepare for the end of 2018 and look to 2019, Father, it's not an expectancy in your heart that we would stay the same. Lord Jesus, you are our Lord and Saviour, but you move us from glory to glory. And all of us in this room want to move from glory to glory. And we thank you, Lord, for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's this guy, Jonah. Jonah was, uh, he was actually a prophet already. Did you know that? I thought he was some loser that God found. But <laughs> not true. He was actually a prophet. So he was already prophesying the word of God. And, and then the Lord said to him, actually, I want to, I want to um, get you to go over to, this, go over to this place called Nineveh. And then it was like bad, 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 bad to the bone. This place, there was debauchery, this place, there was every single sin that you could think of. And he wanted Jonah to go over there to bring the word of the Lord to say, you know, if you guys don't cut it out, you're going to get all wiped out. Lovely, lovely. And I think that's the worst job for a prophet is to bring the word of the Lord like that. Hey, Pastor Phil. <laughs> It makes you shiver and quiver in your shoes, but you have to bring the word of the Lord. So anyway, so Jonah gets up, and of course he goes the other way. You know, God says, go right, he goes left, and he runs. He runs like anything. And then he, um, he goes down to a place called Tarshish. I can barely say that. Say it after me, Tarshish. <laughs> Tarshish. <laughs> nice. Tarshish. So he goes down there, and, um, and he actually he gets a boat. He gets a boat, and he goes, he goes, he goes away. And during the course of this ride, um, he the boat comes into a storm, and then um, they all figure out that actually Jonah, at the end of the day, is the reason for the storm. So they toss him overboard, which is what normally happens to prophets when they bring the word of the Lord. They usually get tossed overboard. Whether it's a boat, I don't know. It's, they get tossed overboard. So he gets tossed overboard and the Lord relents and brings an answer in the form of a big fish. Say big fish. And then remember that, it's not a whale. So he went to Tarshish and got caught by a big fish. That's how it goes. Just so you're remembering. Just so you're remembering. And so... And so the big fish swallows him up. He cries and complains and he whinges, you know, oh, Lord, have mercy, like we do when we get into trouble. And so the, the, the fish comes along and spits him back on the beach. And then the Lord gives him a second chance. He goes and he tells the people of Nineveh what the Lord God is going to do if they don't relent or repent from their ways. And um, one thing leads to another. And what happens then is that that Jonah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, sorry, just talking to the Lord for a minute there. And so Jonah has, um, 
has a second chance and he goes and he tells the people of Nineveh what they've got to do. And um, the Lord says, you know, I think God's saying to a few people now, I won't go past this. It keeps, God keeps slapping my head, so I think I'll stop now. There's some of us who have been running away from the call of God. And God wants to say this, it's time to stop. It really is time to stop. You have to stop where you are <clears throat> and go revisit the call. Because there are some things in your life that you are doing that God is saying, I haven't called you to that. And you're saying, well, why does it always, why isn't it working, Lord? And it's God saying, it's not, it's because I haven't called you to it. And so I'm speaking to some people today, especially some people in business. You need to revisit the call of God in your life this morning. Amen. So we'll carry on. Thanks, Lord. And so Jonah, um, Jonah goes and he gets his second chance. He tells the people of Nineveh, and the people of Nineveh repent. And this is where it gets weird. I mean, the guy's weird anyway. But this is where it gets weird. He is so annoyed that God wants to save. There's 120 souls. And he doesn't want them saved. I mean, what is wrong with that guy? You know, as a prophet, I'd be thinking, yeah, 120 souls. But that's not the thing with Jonah. So that's the story in a nutshell, but I'm going to take some things out of there and we're going to explore those things because there are reasons why we run from the call of God, amen. It's not normally because of God, so who's it got to be about? Who? Uh, try me. Me's good. And so let's take a look at this. Our world is... is uh, our world is not the same as God's world. Amen. And here's uh, verse 2, Jonah 1 verse 2. The Lord says, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked the people are. Well, that goes without saying when you're a prophet. He's going to put you in the midst of something that's bad and, and ask you to speak. And then we get to verse 3 and it says, He got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. King James says, Jonah got up and ran from the presence of God. And that word, that phrase there, is summed up in one Hebrew word, which is malifne. <laughs> malifne, yeah. Apparently that's how you say it, I don't know. Sounds like Maori to me, if you ask me. Which is a word that was used when a man came out of the presence of, of a king. So he had decided not just to run, but he wanted to run away from the place where he had intimacy with God. So he wasn't praying anymore. He wasn't worshipping anymore. He was walking back because he didn't want to be in the presence of God. And so not only did he run, get, uh, sorry, not only did he leave, but he also ran from the presence of God. Because you think of it, he's a prophet. He knows that God is omnipresent. He knows that God is everywhere. So why would he leave the actual place, the physical place, except for the fact that there was something in that physical place that he was running from? And that was the presence of God. And who knows that when God calls us and we don't want to do it, we don't necessarily leave town. We don't necessarily, but we do leave the presence of God. Amen? And we don't want to be there anymore. Because what's God going to say to us when we're in his presence? Go and 
do what I called you to do. And we don't want to hear that no more. We don't want to hear it anymore. We want to move on. And so Jonah was literally trying to get away from the presence of God, the place where he met with God one-on-one and face-to-face. Now, it's not sometimes we don't physically leave the presence of God, but there's this thing we do called the inner inner runaway. We run away in, in the inside. And what does that look like? We decide, as ministers, this is what we do. We do what we're supposed to do, but we don't pray. That's what inner running looks like. That's what it looks like. We do things like come to church, lift up our hands, but we don't really mean it. Lifting up your hands is submission to God, doing what he asks us to do. So we lift up, and so we're following a plan, but we're not really in it. Do you see what I mean? And we can do a number of things. We can come to church, we can be spectators instead of participators. So, you know, that's why it's important to me when we gather together as a corporate body that we all get involved because the thing is, it's not to make me feel good as a worship leader, although it does. It's because God wants to interface with you in the corporate body. And your brothers and your sisters can help you out with that. When there's things that are a problem, they can pray for you. When there are things that you can't see, they can help you by sitting down and reasoning together. That's why it's important. So sometimes we get, we get mentally detached from what we're doing. We're just not paying attention. And that's how we run away from God. Amen? Are you guys all right? Yeah, because God had to run this through me first, and I'm thinking, no, I'm good, Lord, I'm good, but I really wasn't. So the thing is, is that when you run away from God as well, it can affect all those people around you. You know, I was saying just a minute ago, being amongst the, the, the assembly of the saints is good. But when you start running away from the call of God, it affects everybody around you. Your family, your spouse, um, you know, your cousins maybe, your work colleagues, it affects them when you're running away because your demeanour changes. Amen. There's no such thing as somebody with God yelling in your ear and you're, you're going, I'm okay with this, I'm all right with this. It doesn't happen. Definitely doesn't happen. And so your family are affected. And this showed in Jonah's life because he hopped on the boat and the storm came. You know, and it affected everybody that was in the vessel. And it affected them in such a way that they were frightened. And I don't know, um, sir, if you are the one that God is calling, your wife and your children are frightened when there's a lack of a plan. They are scared because you bring protection and security to your family. You know, mum, if you... Uh, if, you, if there's a lack of submission to God, your kids can sense it. They can see it. I mean, let's be real today, amen? They know when you're purposeless, when you can't see what's ahead of you. And so, you know, my encouragement to you as, as mothers and fathers, my encouragement to you is to go back where God is. Find that original call. Amen. And don't let the storms of life overtake you because you're in the wrong place. There was a guy in the Bible, David, King David, who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. When all the men had gone out to war, what was he doing? 
sitting on the top of his roof, and what happened? Along came a spider, <laughs> sat down beside her. There was that woman up on the... Everybody's going, oh, she's such a, you know, she's such a seducer. But what was the guy doing up there in the first place? Amen? I mean, poor old Bathsheba took the heat for that, but actually, he shouldn't have been there. And this is what I'm saying to you. You've got to be found at the right place with God. Amen? Not walked away from him. Not walked away from the call on your life. And not becoming an inner runner, not running away from God inside here. So what happened with the, the sailors is that they found him. He was down in, the, down in the belly of the ship and he was sleeping. Typical, you know, when there's work to be done. No, oh, no, I won't say that. I was going to say, when work to be done, where are the guys down in the belly of the ship? <laughs> I won't say that, sorry. <laughs> anyway, he was down in the belly of the ship because he'd lost all focus. There was no focus. And so often when you are in the wrong place or when you are sleeping, when you're feeling down, what happens is you start to sleep a lot. And when you lose direction, the same thing happens. Everything is just purposeless. And so he's found in the bottom of the ship and the captain finds him and he says, he shouts at him, he says, why don't you pray to your God? We're praying to our God, maybe your God will help us. That's me paraphrased. And no, he, he decided, no, I'm not going to talk to God. Even when all these people's lives were in danger, even when your family is becoming disrupted, even when your marriage is falling to bits. You can't be found in the bottom of the belly of the boat hoping somebody else will, will fix it. Amen? Amen. Sorry if I'm a bit motherish, but never mind. There you go. And so he said to him, he said to him, you go pray to your God. Go and pray to your God. Maybe he'll help us. And do you know what he did? He, they drew lots. First of all, they drew lots. And you know what lots are? They're straws. And whoever draw, draws the shortest straw, he's the reason why things are going bad or he's it. And so they drew lots. And sure enough, it fell to Jonah. Jonah said, yeah, it's because of me. You know, there's no commitment here. Yeah, it's because of me. Why it's, this is all happening. And they said, what shall we do? And he said, throw me, over the, throw me overboard. Now this guy has just told all these guys that he is a son of the living God. What would you do? I wouldn't touch him. I'd be too frightened to. Just in case his God, you know, blamed me for his sin or his disobedience. So that's exactly what the other sailors did. Who didn't owe God? They left him alone. And they tried to row him to safety, but that never worked either. And so in the finish, they threw him overboard. And see, here's our God, an unrelenting God. He sees Jonah going overboard in the middle of the storm, and he thinks, I'll save him, and he sends a fish. Who knows that God never does things the way we think? Like this morning, I don't know how many times I, pra I practiced that session up there, and God said, excuse me, can you just stop playing? It's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, and, and that's why I did that, because I want to be obedient to God, amen? Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, I've got to be obedient to him. And so do you know what happened? The sailors threw him overboard, and they were so astounded, the Bible says, because of the sudden change of weather. 
and they offered up a sacrifice to the Lord and offered to serve him. So even in the midst of Jonah's ratbaggish ways of not listening to God, people got saved. And that can happen to us when we're in the middle of sorting out the call of God in our lives, amen. In the middle of it, people get saved and you think, how is that possible? Here is how it's possible. It's not about us. God does salvation, not us. As lovely as we think we might be, we're not that lovely. Amen. So in the midst of it all, God will, yeah, he have his hand on you and help guide you through whatever it is that's, that you need to go through. But people still get saved. They still get saved. So even then, even then God is able to save. And so these sailors all were saved from that storm that day and Jonah ended up in the belly of a fish. And so God sometimes has to put us into those situations. I'm talking about changes today, going from the comfort of life to the call of God. And there are changes that have to happen to accommodate the call of God upon our lives. And so he's in the middle of the fish and it's uncomfortable and it's awful and it's not the way that I think it should be. Who knows that the call in our life is not, a, not about bettering our lives. It's not about self-improvement. Amen? The call of God is not about us just living in a good place. Once we get past all that, and God has, has dealt with that in our new life, we have a purpose. We have a call. And that call is to see salvations. Amen? And to see what, did, what, was, it the Lord, what was it the Lord said to make disciples. That's what our call is. It's not even about doing good works. It's about seeing people discipled to grow. And our lives are meant to grow on and on and on. It's not good enough for us to just come to church, go to all the meetings. It's more than that. We are here to serve the Lord. We are here to see the, the, the whole world saved. That's what our job is. Oh, you think it's too big. Actually, it's not. Because you're in the world and part of the world. You're in the world, on that part of the world, should I say, to see salvations happen. And if we all do our jobs together, we will see what God has called us to do. Amen. So in chapter 3, the Lord speaks to Jonah a second time. This is his second, this is his second chance. He spat out on the, on the beach. And the Lord says, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go in and tell the people that 40 days from now, your, your, your town, your city will be destroyed. And you know what? The people of God believed him. He was a prophet. He was just doing his job. And the people believed him. So that, it couldn't have been that then, was it? So what was it all about? It was about him. It was about Jonah. Jonah only had to speak and people listened. Even the king listened. And he said, everybody, everybody, I want you to put on mourning garb. Animals as well. How big is that? I want you all to put on mourning garb. And I want you, I want you to repent. And they did. And as I said, this is where things got a bit strange. 
So they cried out to God, the people from Nineveh, and then God changed his mind. This is what happens when people cry out to God on behalf of others. They intercede for others. It's not just a nice prayer that we say. God hears these prayers, these intercessions, and he changes his mind. That's what prayer is all about, changing God's mind on behalf of other people. That's why when you kneel, you bow your knee and you pray for your kids who aren't saved, they will be saved. That's why when you pray on behalf of your neighbour, God hears you. He hears you. When you pray the prayer of salvation for your kids or for your extended family, God hears you. It's not just words going up into the air. And sometimes, if you're like me, I pray prayers that I think they're going nowhere. And I have to think again, God, you know, sorry, what was that all about? Just praying a long prayer, but actually I didn't believe what I was praying. How many of you do that? I do that. I do that. And I have to stop myself and start again. God likes the stopping and starting as long as it's connected with your heart. Amen? Amen. And so, all the people of Nineveh got saved, and that was good. And you would think that Jonah would be going, yes, God, what we prayed, what I prayed for happened. And he'd break out the cheerleaders and the bands and all, all of that. But he didn't. You see, we get into chapter 4, Jonah's gone from a triumphant, forgiven man to a sulking, bad-tempered man. Because when you get close to the call of God on your life, what happens is that those things that are within start popping out. Amen? Those attitudes that are in your heart start popping out. And some of them are not pretty. We talked about this in the Pathway series that we're doing. We talked about um, having prejudices against um, certain people. And in this case, Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. He thought to himself, you know, they deserve what they get. They've been so not bad. Look at them. Idolaters. Look at them. Look at them. they got nothing good in their lives. You know, Lord, waste a lot. Who cares? That was his attitude. And as you get closer and closer to God, some things pop out and you think, oh, where did that come from? And it's not just races of people. It's types of people, people who are wealthy. Sometimes we who are not wealthy think, oh, these people got it made. They don't strive and, you know, they don't strive like we do. We talked about this in James as well. And yet the Bible says it's hard for a rich man, it's harder for a rich man to go through exactly than to get saved. I feel for them. You know, there's, there's other people that we think of. I mean, the, who is it in your mind when you think, oh, I don't like that, or I don't like them? Who is it that you think of? It might be other churches, other streams of churches. And for somehow, we have to get to this place where we have no judgment on anybody. Amen? They do what they do. In Jesus' name, it's got nothing to do with us. They are worshippers of God, not us. So they can do what they like. I don't like some of the practices that happen in other churches, but they've got to stand before God, not me. Hey, 
And so we need to find those things that God has, you know, that pop up in our lives, the prejudices, the things that we stand against that have no actual footing. We need to be able to speak about those things to God and be able to get on with the job of of making disciples. But this is the other thing. The other thing he said um, was this in verse Chapter 4, verse 3. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if I predicted will not happen. And so he had a ministry as a prophet, and he wanted to protect it. And if these people repented and nothing happened, guess what? He would end up with egg on his face. Sometimes when we minister in Jesus' name, the outcome is not what we think it should be. And sometimes we are the ones holding the holding the bag, you know. He even said, you know, because he he just decided, well, actually I'll go over here and I'll sit down. Maybe God won't relent. And and I'll watch the the city burn. I mean, he'd all but lost his love for these people in Nineveh. And his one thought was they deserve what they get. And sometimes we can be like that. You know, people go through hard times and we think to ourselves, instead of reaching out and saying, can I help? Can I pray? I'm sorry what happened to you. We just let them, they deserve what they get. And God is not into that, amen? He's not a vengeful God. It's his to, to, to deal out, not ours to judge. Are you guys all right with this? <laughs> okay, I just want to make this path straight for you guys when you go to 2019 because I know that God has some great things, some big things in store for all of us. You know, there are some places that God is going to place us. We're not here just to be churchgoers. Amen. We're here to do the work of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, he was thinking, well, it won't happen, maybe. But then at the same time, he's thinking in his heart, if if these people aren't annihilated, then my job as a prophet is over because I'm then a false prophet. I mean, how many times have I said that to to when people have prophesied and it hasn't come to pass? You know, I I forget that I might have prayed that it wouldn't happen. (laughs) Me, I prayed, and then when it doesn't happen, it's like, eh, false prophet. I mean, how judge, I'm feeling I might need to go and pray after this. Maybe everybody needs to pray for me. <laughs> but these are things that fly through my spirit, and I think to myself, yeah, that wasn't very good. So you see, before the next day, he's gone out, and he's got his, you know, got his shelter there, and he's going to watch the city burn, probably taking this popcorn and whatever. And he says, sit there, watch the city burn, and think, <laughs> told you so. But that doesn't happen. Go away, fly. Okay. And so God then, because the east wind was blowing, God then puts a, causes a, a vine to, to grow over the top of him. And he's sitting there even more smug, saying, surely God was good to him. He was in the right. They were in the wrong. It wasn't the shade proof of it. And so we can do this sort of thing. I don't know how many conversations I've been in with people who have said, you know, just leave them to burn. It's not our right. 
our writers, brothers and sisters. If these people have made a mistake, Christian brothers and sisters have made a mistake, it's up to us to reach out to them the best we can. Sometimes the help will be turned away. Well, that's their call, but at least you tried. Amen? Amen. So Jonah's self-centred love for personal comfort was revealed when the next night God sent a worm and the worm ate up the vine. I feel sorry for this guy. Do you feel sorry for him? It ate, ate up the vine. And the Lord was trying to get Jonah to see that his concern for himself being in the shade and stuff was less than 120 souls going to hell. But he could not see it because right in front of him was his own stuff. His own stuff, his own comfort, his own call on his life and his own prejudices. Go away, fly. And I think to myself this morning, this is what God wants us to do before we launch into 2019. I know it's a difficult thing to listen to, but I think if I didn't do this and God had asked me to, I could have brought you something that would make you laugh. But I think this is serious times we're looking at. Serious times. Who's to say that this won't be the last Christmas that your family gathers, that you have a chance to speak to them about the Lord? Who's to say that some of these prejudices in your life are actually you are the answer? for the person who those prejudices are against. Who's to say? Who's to say maybe you and whoever it is you don't like are stuck in an elevator for two hours and you have a chance to bring him to the Lord? So my plea to you as a congregation is to take a look at what's happening in your life. Take a look at the things that you say adamantly, this is the way it should be and it shouldn't change. Put those things before God. Pray about them so that God can change your heart, change your prejudices and change your desire for self-comfort so that going forward into 2019, all those things that God has lined up for you to do, whether you're a new Christian, old Christian, doesn't matter, so that you can do those things with a clear conscience and a clear heart. And it's important. It's important to your family. It's important to the people you meet. It's important to those people. If you have had, actually there's people here who have had lifetime feuds. It's time to sort them out. It's time to sort them out. Because nothing good will come from it. Nothing good will come from it. And this may be your last chance. Who are we to know? Amen? Amen. So I'm going to, now I'm done with that, that's me. Um, You know, God, I don't know what happened to Jonah because it sort of finishes quite abruptly. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I can only surmise some of the things because he wouldn't bend on some of the things that God had asked him to bend on. And I don't want to be that person, do you? The person that doesn't bend. When God has said, I want you to give up this, I want you to do this. I want to have, more than anything, no prejudice against God, a clear conscience before God. And I want to know that my call has been because God has held it in the palm of my hand, in the palm of his hand, and called me to it.